The world that we live in is filled with chaos. We are all searching for meaning in our lives, but we often get lost along the way. We all must ultimately realize that meaning is found in responsibility for our actions, for the way we live our life, and for the people in our lives. We don't have to stay in the chaos. We can choose to bring order to our lives. Join us for a fresh perspective on the practical steps we can take to become who God intended us to be and to realize what our calling is. This is Coming Out of Chaos. Welcome back to the Coming Out of Chaos podcast. My name is Michael Bocklig. I am your host, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Subdeacon Bryce Kirk. We are recording this episode at the 2022 Domsey Parish Life Conference in Memphis, Tennessee. Thankfully, our podcasting equipment is very portable, and we are set up here at the Hilton Hotel in Memphis for this recording. We are about halfway through the PLC here in Memphis, and it's really been a fantastic experience thus far. Wouldn't you say, Bryce? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. It's really good to be back here. Uh, It's been three years since we've had a big in-person retreat with everybody, and so being able to see old friends, making new ones, um, just all of the, the programs that are going on, all the talks, it's been absolutely fantastic. We have a special guest with us today for this podcast episode. We are joined by Father Hans Jacobsi, who is the spiritual advisor to the Antiochian men in the Diocese of Miami in the Southeast. He is also the pastor of St. Peter Orthodox Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Father Hans, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be here, Michael and Bryce. Looking forward to this very much. We were hoping to do a Q&A with you on a few different topics today, Father, but first I wanted to ask how the PLC has been going for you and what are some of the highlights that have happened so far for you personally? Well, um, the PLC, I think, you can feel the energy and you can see that we've been wanting to do this. I mean, it's pent up energy after COVID and all that. So it's, it's, to me, it's like a creative explosion and uh, things are moving forward in this diocese a lot. They were held back by COVID, but the enthusiasm and the commitment certainly wasn't. And now that things are free again, there's a whole lot happening, and I think it it bodes very well for the future of the diocese. So, Father Hans, we've quoted you so many times on this podcast, and for good reason, as you are the spiritual advisor to the Antiochian men. Your wisdom and guidance have been invaluable to the men in our diocese, including myself. Our organization has accomplished a lot over the last three years, in large part because of your efforts. Can you talk a little bit about the positive things you have seen as Amen has grown and developed from your point of view? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the the thing that really excites me is especially in our our Orthodox Church, and Orthodoxy really understands what a human being is, but as male and female. So what a man is, you know, you see that you hear the terms humankind and personhood and this and that, but I'll tell you the... The uh, let's call them the biological binaries, male and female. They're they're really real. They really reach deep. You know, personhood is, is expressed in in sexual differentiation, male and female, right? But it's more than biological differentiation. It's 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 really ontology, and we can go into that. And and there's a lot of work being done on that, but. Here is what I like the most. I see guys getting stronger. I see guys getting stronger, and I love that. I absolutely love that. I've been doing this for quite a while now, 
maybe 10 years, really with, with great focus, and bringing it into um, my work with young men in particular, and learning a whole lot as I go. And I see that some of the things I've learned and I share, you know, other people pick up. And I think it's all by the hand of God. And I don't mean to sound presumptuous when I say that, but I really do believe that. And what excites me is I think that, that our Orthodox faith has something to really give to the culture in a time when the culture really needs it and is searching for it. This really excites me very much. And I see the young men coming into our church. And in the meantime, the Lord is preparing us to help them because they're coming into the church to learn how to become men. And they already natively, intuitively know that they need God to do this. And here we are, and we've been chosen, we have, you know, actually to, to shepherd these young men and at the same time discover for ourselves how to become more manly. Right. How to become deeper men, you know, wise men and courageous men and virtues and all these things that we talk about because it benefits us so much too because we have to grow into it in order to be able to help these younger guys grow into it. So I know this is a big package and I'm speaking very globally, but I'm very excited about this because I see it happening and I see that this is where our future lies as a church but also as men and the development of brotherhoods. And a lot, I think, that has been lacking is being discovered by the grace of God, and it's a beautiful thing to partake and to behold at the same time. Yeah, I completely agree, and it's so true. And speaking of excitement, we were at a very exciting event in Dallas, Texas, twice. You've actually been the keynote speaker at two separate men's retreats at St. Seraphim Orthodox Cathedral in Dallas, Texas, and that's a cathedral in the OCA. Bryce and I attended both of those retreats in person, and we were, we were just blown away and really grateful to be a part of it. We saw men attending from all Orthodox jurisdictions at both retreats, and they were very well attended. What were both of those experiences like for you, and what were your biggest takeaways from those events? Well, my biggest takeaway was, you know, you, 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 I kind of stumble upon these things. You know, it's, it's, it's because I'm focused on it. But I learn, and then once it really crystallizes and I find the way to express it properly, um, and then I share with other people, things just happen. So after that first, that first talk that I did in Dallas, a men's brotherhood, in a sense, self-generated in the church, but it was clearly all by the Holy Spirit. And once these brotherhoods, they, they materialize, they form, then what happens is the men have a context to become more stable and stronger and discover what manhood really is. And that's, I think, the most beautiful thing. It's very gratifying to see that happen. I've seen that happen in Florida, too, where I was involved in establishing two other brotherhoods besides the one I established in my own parish. One in Venice I helped, and then one in Tampa. And these brotherhoods now, this has been a few years, maybe three years, these brotherhoods, they grow. And these brotherhoods in the churches then become become the means by which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can bring other men into the church because they have to be integrated. They're coming into the church to find Christ, 
but they're also coming into the church to find themselves, right? And so when they, they step into the church and they're, they're invited into the brotherhood, that becomes the context for their own salvation, their own growth, and that's the beautiful thing, and that's basically the takeaway, that these, these instructions, these words, right, they resonate in the souls of men, and they compel men to act, and the actions are always very, very constructive. And when you see the reaction like that, you, you begin to realize, number one, how lonely men are, how, how deeply men desire communion with other men, and it's that particular context in which they grow and become strong and become the men that God created them to be. It's a process, right? And it's growth. And salvation is synonymous with the, the positing of the human person, the positing of man as a man. I mean, I've said for years that it takes men to teach a man how to become a man. Okay, women can't do it. And in this day and age, especially when fatherhood is weak, and a lot of these guys don't have fathers, it's, it's just the way it is, right? They're looking for that brotherhood because we need the context. So what is the takeaway? The takeaway is, is that, that these words are very powerful. They're from our Lord and Jesus, Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he's talking about love of the brethren and the brotherhood. And again, that I think our Orthodox Church is uniquely situated because of our understanding of of what a man is, who the human being is, how God created us, our Orthodox Church is uniquely situated actually to reach out in this evangelical way and bring these men in and give them what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Father. I think one of the things that makes you so effective as our spiritual advisor is that you really know how to talk to men. You're very blunt, and you speak to us in plain language. It's absolutely electric every time it happens. This really seems to resonate well with men everywhere, and it's so refreshing to hear an Orthodox priest speak the truth about such important issues that men are dealing with today. Would you comment on the importance of the language we use in talking about important issues with each other as men, and how it can be beneficial to use a more direct approach in having authentic conversations with one another? Yeah, um, I think when you say blunt, it's just that, I don't hesitate the things, to say the things that need to be said. That's basically it. And part of it is because, you know, we, we tend to think when we talk about salvation, we kind of make it abstract. I don't know why we do, but salvation is actually concrete. It's the salvation of the human person, right? It's the salvation of you. It's the salvation of me. That means it deals with the stuff of everyday life. Now, everyday life is kind of messy, and it's complex. It's hard to figure out what to do. That's why we need each other. It's certainly hard to do on our own. That's why we need the help of our brothers. So to speak bluntly, I think, means to really just speak frankly. You can't abstract this stuff because salvation fundamentally is not, it's not an abstract enterprise. It's very concrete. Right. And so speaking bluntly means, okay, let's just, let's just be honest about the way things really are. Okay, and so, you know, and I, I know what I talk about. I mean, I talk about the things that are uncomfortable to talk about, but the, the, the things that are uncomfortable to talk about are the things we need to talk about. 
because it's the stuff we're struggling with, right? And so I found that, yeah, men really do resonate with that and respond to that because some things you can't talk about, um, you know, abstractly. And then secondly, it's, it's kind of my native inability to just understand subtlety and to be subtle. I, <laughs> I, when people are subtle with me, I, I never know what they mean. Right. So, I, you know, I have to be that way. Yeah, and I agree with Bryce. I think the reason why all of your talks, Father, are so effective, you don't fall into the trap of self-censoring yourself. And you've used that term self-censoring before. We as men have the tendency these days to want to self-censor ourselves when we talk about topics that deal with real manhood and masculinity. A lot of times, we won't say certain things for fear of being chastised and belittled, even if it is the truth. But you just mentioned that sometimes the hardest things to say are also the most important things that need to be said. What advice can you give us on how we can fight this tendency to self-censor and also explain why it's so important that we do that? Well, I, um, I'll tell you how I do it. If I catch myself self-censoring, holding back from what I want to say, um, sometimes, you know, you don't always say what you want to say. I mean, it's just not the proper context, okay? I would say that that's kind of a, a mature, sensitive self-censoring. You don't always speak the truth because sometimes the truth can be really brutal. It can hurt people. You don't want to hurt people. But if I'm self-censoring because I'm afraid of blowback, I'm being politically incorrect, I mean, the hell with that. You know, that calls forth courage, especially when you're speaking to, to someone, whether it's a single person or it's a group of people, you know, who need to hear what the truth really is and what reality really is. Well, then, no. Then then the self-censoring goes out the, the window. So, so... Part, sometimes you hold back because you don't want to hurt the person. But if you find yourself holding back because you're afraid of saying something politically incorrect and you're going to be attacked, at that point you have to express courage. And that's a manly virtue. You say what you need to say and take the hits. You're going to get hit. Take the hits. You're not going to get crushed. In fact, what's going to happen is courage fosters courage. And if other men see you saying the things that they know needs to be said, they know needs to be heard, what will happen is they'll start saying it too. And you, you defeat this, this attempt to censor and ultimately change reality. We don't want to live in an illusion. We want to live in reality. We want to see things clearly. Because when we see things clearly, then we can operate as men. We can be creative, and we can build, and we can help, and we can do those things. We can protect. We can do those things that men are supposed to do. And that man, if you're listening to this, that, do that. And you know what happens is your soul is strengthened. You are enlivened. And the gratification that comes from that kind of expressing that kind of responsibility is some of the best in the world. It fills your soul, and it comes from God. Don't forget that. So, Father Hans, we've seen a lot of men coming into the Orthodox Church in the last three years, especially young men. Remember the first day I met you, you were talking about how the stream of men that's coming in is a trickle now. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the floodgates are going to open, and it's going to be an almost overwhelming amount of men. So the stream is likely going to become this river, 
and potentially even an all-out flood, the way things are going in the dominant culture today. What is it about the Orthodox Church that is so attractive to the men who are searching for the message of truth and meaning in the world? What's, what's attractive to the men, and this is, this is perceived intuitively by them, the church is patriarchal. God is Father. Now, you'll notice a lot of the men coming into the church, they don't have a concrete experience with Father. They really don't. And they're looking for Father. Of course they're looking for Father because God is Father. And when I say that the church is patriarchal, that's congruent with the structure of creation and reality. God's not mother. He does not give birth. All right? He doesn't. He creates by the power of his word. All right? And he brings order out of chaos. And every man in his soul resonates with that because the male part of being created in the image and likeness of God is to be builder, is to stem the chaos, bring order into it. Every man knows this intuitively. And so they're coming to the place where they can live within that reality, and it is reality, where they can live more clearly within reality. Let me put it that way. Okay, it's not like a consumer choice. It's they are conforming to their lives to something that is more real than what they find in the culture. So they step into reality. They step into a relationship with their Heavenly Father, learn how to become a son, learning how to become a son with the approval and love of the Father is growth into manhood so that they can go back into the world and be the builders, be the protectors, bring order out of chaos, because this is the commission of a man, of a male. So like I say, it's intuitive at first. It's intuitive. And it doesn't come into being if we have the correct concepts. It comes into being as we learn how to become a man and learn obedience to our Heavenly Father in the context of brotherhood with other men who are doing the same things. This is real life. This is reality. This is pushing off the lies that our culture is promulgating that there's no difference between male and female. There's a world of difference between male and female. And these men want that. They've been They've, they've come of age. You know, what happens is you think the world operates in the era in which you came of age. I see this now getting older. I have to be real careful not to, not to make the mistake, because I see a lot of my peers making this mistake, but to think that the world that these younger guys are coming of age in is the same world that I came of age in. Now, we always tend to think the world is the way it is in the era of, in which we came of age, right? But it's a different world. It's a completely different world, right? And so, so they're coming in natively, intuitively. I have to listen very closely, and I do, to understand what that world is like. But the advantage, then, of having more experience is that you can actually apply some of that experience to their situations and you can help them. So, so these guys coming in, these guys that are coming in are almost universally coming out of what I call soul pain. Okay, so they come of age in a world that is chaotic, in a culture that is chaotic. They think that the chaos is the norm. 
they conform themselves to the chaos, they experience that disintegration that the lies actually foster. And they have a breakdown of sorts. They have a breakdown. And that breakdown, that pain, and here you see the mercy of God, although it's a rough road for most of them, it's really a rough road, but that pain causes them to cast their eyes heavenward and realize something is just so radically and fundamentally wrong, there must be something else. And when that happens, the Lord leads them into the church. But it's also volitional on their part because they have to make the decision to say no to the chaos and actually even confess their own brokenness even before there's any formal confession, right? They, they're wounded, they're wounded. We call it, I call it, but it's, a lot of people have picked up on this, coming out of the matrix, okay? Coming out of the matrix, and they come out of the matrix. The movie's a great metaphor for this. They come out of the matrix and they wake up and they begin to see how things really operate, and then they realize, oh, oh, I have to turn around and I have to fight it. But isn't that what the church teaches? Yeah. You become a son of God, and then you have to engage in spiritual warfare. Exactly. And so this is happening. Um, I saw it coming. I saw it coming years ago, and I would tell people, young men are going to come into the church. This is a trickle. It's going to be a stream, and then it's going to be a flood. We're going to get thousands, thousands of young men coming into the church because it's the only place of clarity. It's the, it's the ground zero of reality, and we have to be ready for them when they come in. You're absolutely right, Father, and I see that that trickle already starting to become a stream in our local parish, and Bryce and I have talked about this. We have so many young men especially coming to our parish, so I think your premonition is correct. And Father, you have a lot of experience in mentoring young men over the years. You mentioned that it's been about 10 years now. One of the first things I ever heard you say is that you pull men out of porn addictions, and that was at the Parish Life Conference three years ago when Antiochian Men was officially founded. That is something that affects virtually all men today, and it has been so accelerated by technology. Teenagers and young men have instant access to this at their fingertips any hour of the day in most cases. You've said that this robs men of their creative energy, and it starts now at such a young age before they even know what they're fully capable of, and that's something that you've said before. Fighting sexual temptations has become such a big challenge for men today, and you've been one of the few who can accurately define and explain the problem in its fullest extent, including the spiritual dimension. What can men do to guard against these temptations in our overly sexualized culture today? Well, here's what happens, guys who are listening to this, okay? If you've got, you know, we talk about porn addiction, but what it really is is an addiction to self-abuse, all right? And when you self-abuse, what you're doing is you're taking your natural creative prowess, your power, because men, remember, are created to create. God reveals himself to us. What is one of the first thing he shows us in Scripture? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, our Father in heaven is creator. We are created in the image and likeness of God. What are you? You are creator. Women create from their bodies. Men create with their hands. 
with their work. You have a native creative power that is to be directed through your native gifts and abilities that God has given you, and you are to create something enduring, something that benefits others, something that can last. What happens is, because the pornography is so prevalent, guys get lost in masturbation when they face the difficulties of life growing up. But what happens is, if you masturbate the difficulties away, if you use the masturbation as a palliative or a comfort to avoid confronting the difficulties in life, what happens is that natural creative prowess never gets developed. It gets channeled into the sex drive, which also is creative, and they get mixed up, and because of the self-abuse problem, you end up just flushing it down the toilet. And you don't grow in the way that you need to grow. Now, we can kind of cover this up during our teenage years, but once we get into adulthood, into the early 20s, what happens is we feel stuck or we're in situations we don't know what to do. And we hide this, but we feel very insecure. Okay? That needs to be healed up. The boy has to grow into a man. Okay, and that takes ascetic self-discipline. And that means it's not just born, it's the self-abuse problem. We gotta start dealing with that. Now you ask me, okay, what can a guy do? I'll tell you guys, if you're young and you're listening to it, start resisting now, talk to someone, talk to someone. You can call me up if you want, all right? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna work on getting you on the right track. Once you get on the right track, what's going to happen is if you do the work and you start living as a man is designed to live, that gratification that you're looking for through the self-abuse is actually going to be given to you through the accomplishment of real work. Because what you're looking for in the self-abuse is really the gratification that comes through creating something. And once you experience that, you're on your way onto deeper and more fuller manhood. That's how it works. That's how it works. And if you're, you're older and you're struggling the, with this, okay, we're going to work on that too. And we're going we're gonna to purify the desire is what we're going to do. St. Maximus the Confessor says that the desire behind all desire including inordinate desire, is the desire for God. Our soul seeks gratification from the Lord. It seeks to be satisfied, but it, uh, it can only be satisfied through virtuous effort, not through channeling our creativity into a vice. That's the theory behind it, Michael. And actually, it works. A lot of guys have been able to be to pull themselves out of this vice through the power of the Holy Spirit that works in conjunction with their own their own effort to become stronger men. That's how it how it's done. So I'll conclude with this. It's not really a porn problem. Porn is there as a masturbation accelerant, okay? The problem is self-abuse. Deal with the self-abuse, the porn problem will take care of itself. But men, 
do not believe the lie, okay? Porn comes from the depths of hell. It comes from the devil itself to try and destroy your character before it can develop. Resist the devil, the Apostle Paul says, and he will flee from you. Partner with real men. They understand this. They will help you. You will receive the strength, and you will grow into a manhood that not only expresses but draws out your own personality and who you really are. And there's nothing more gratifying in the world than that. So you've talked a lot about the importance of having real and authentic brotherhoods in our parishes. You've already begun one at your own parish, as well as helped out with several others across the country. So one barrier that we may face in our efforts to create strong relationships male to male is the way that we have been conditioned in the dominant culture to view close relationships between men. The idea of men having a strong bond with each other has been hijacked by those who tend to sexualize everything. And this has caused a lot of confusion and hesitation with men today. So how do we recapture deep and meaningful male-to-male communion with one another in the same way King David had with Jonathan in the Old Testament? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a real good question because, again, the lies, just the amplitude, the volume of these lies in the dominant culture. Um, look, we just, we're just going to have to throw it off and we're going to have to reestablish it. That's all there's to it. Okay, just say no to the lie, and I'm not justifying anything I say to anyone, you know, that dares oppose me. They're the ones who are contributing to the disintegration, all right? Wholeness comes from Christ. Wholeness comes through love. One of the characteristics of love is philia, which is the love of the brethren, okay? The love of the brother. Men are to have intimate relationships with other men. Okay, now we use the word intimacy. I know where our minds is going because I can feel the self-censoring coming in. Intimacy is honesty. To love is to know, okay, to know someone. To love someone is to really know someone and to allow yourself to be known, Mm. okay? The only time that becomes erotic is in a, a relationship between a man and a wife, okay? But it really is true eros, in the true sense of the world, because it's in that relationship that creativity really explodes. You know, you see it about the only time, place I think you see it now is the military with the band of brothers type thing. Everybody knows that. But I think also probably in teams and sports, you can kind of see it when, when uh, you know, a team wins a championship and you look at the relationships and how they express the brotherhood to each other, right? You can see what's accomplished. Those are very intimate relationships, but intimacy here is defined when a brother would give his life for a brother. He loves him that much. He would give his life for a brother. That's the proper intimacy between men, and that's how it's, how it's defined. We've got to recover this. We've got to start living like this because that's what unleashes the creativity, and then men guide men. And things can happen and things can be created that otherwise would not happen. And that's also how a man finds his own self-confidence and his stability. So I think, you ask the question, I don't 
bother making an apologetic for this anymore. I don't bother trying to convince the naysayers because they're not set on the truth. That's the thing. So how are they going to be convinced? I say we just take it back and we just do it. And I don't care how many people scream. Let's bring, here should be the saying, let's bring reality back. Okay, <laughs> let's live in reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have said also, Father, that the strength of the church is the strength of its men. You've said that women want strong men and that women will ultimately feel more safe and secure when they are with a strong and a stable man. Can you expand a little bit more on these concepts and explain why it's so important for us to keep this in mind? Well, the church is patriarchal. The culture is anti-patriarchal, but the very structure of reality is patriarchal. God is Father. The energies of the Father, this is orthodoxy, the energies of God work in concert with man so man can become whole, full, and strong. Okay, so these energies have character. And the character is what? It's virtue. The word virtue, the word in Latin, vir, man, and virtue, they're all tied together. So a man has to walk in the energies of God, and that posits his own manhood. It's, and it's manhood and it's strong manhood that brings stability to the world. And I think now the feminists are going to cut off my head like they cut off the head of John the Baptist, <laughs> who is my patron saint. They're going to hate hearing that. But here's the deal. Strong men make for strong women. That's the way reality is constructed. And women want their men to be strong because if men are strong and doing their job, the women can be strong and do theirs. That's how it works. This whole notion of egalitarianism, no, it doesn't work because there's a distinction between male and female that's deeper than biological. I get asked a lot of times, um, well, what about the women? What about the women? They, they need the, the, this too with these talks and these groups I build. And I said, well, bring me the woman and I'll teach her how to do it. She can just see how I do it and they can just copy it. But one never appears. One never appears. And it, it's become clear to me that this can't be replicated among women. Now, women need women in order to learn how to become a woman. But becoming a woman is not the counterpart of becoming a man. And that's why I don't think the structure necessarily works, right? Right, right. And, and so, so I'm not self-censoring. I'm saying men become strong men because that's what your women want. And the women are waiting for the men to be strong, notwithstanding what the feminists say. So I've noticed that a lot of men tend to be pretty soft in this day and age. Uh, young men today don't have the same strong role models and examples that men used to have in previous generations. The hard masculine virtues that real men are supposed to embody are being minimized and mocked in our culture today. It also seems that real men are simply disappearing all around us and that strong, assertive men are becoming an endangered species. A lot of men come across as beat down and defeated and they lack assertiveness in their interactions with family, friends, coworkers, or at school. What is causing this pattern of men having such a soft demeanor? And what can be done to help them learn what being a real man is all about? It, it's happening, Bryce, because of the hostility in the dominant culture in the matrix towards patriarchy and strong men. 
and they feel defeated, and they feel beleaguered. So what can be done? First of all, we reject the lie as a lie. Okay, and then we start working on ourselves. And that's why the brotherhoods, that's why I'm building brotherhoods, and that's why the brotherhoods are successful. You don't really have to do much. All I have to do is organize this thing, and then it becomes self-generating, like in Dallas, right? They just take off by themselves. The two, the two that I helped establish in Florida, they, I don't run them. I just kind of like got them into action. That's all, and they take off. So we, we build the brotherhoods. And then individually, what do we do? Well, these guys who, who are, are kind of passive and kind of weak because they don't know what to do, here's their first assignment. Start working out. Get that body in shape. Feel strong. And they start doing that, and they do it for themselves, and they feel stronger, and they get in shape, and that would be step one. Every guy who does it, you know, start with your body. It's all about mastering the body anyway. So start exercising, right? And then the strength comes. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, Father, you said that you you don't have to do much once the brotherhood is established and it kind of takes a life on its own and manages itself and grows. And that's exactly what happened with the Antiochian men starting three years ago. You know, we've got a lot of momentum in the Antiochian men right now, and a lot of exciting things are planned for the future I was wondering, though, where do you see our organization in Domsey going in the coming years, and what will our main focus be? I see it growing, Michael. I see it getting stronger I, I, as this message of authentic manhood you know, it spreads and, and people internalize it. Every guy wants to do this. You, know? you, never, you never hear any objections from guys. They all go, yeah. And I think the men in our church get stronger, and we teach, and and especially within Domsey, because we're an Orthodox organization and we develop this experientially about our salvation, growing closer to Christ is synonymous with a deeper, deeper growth into our own manhood. Um, that, I think, is happening. I mean, people are talking about that. And, and here's the next step. Yes, the question. The next step is we're responsible for those guys that the Lord are going to bring in. Because brotherhood, too, is hierarchical. Okay, you've got the father, and ultimately the father in heaven, but you've got the brother. And the brotherhood is divided between big brother and little brother. If you're a big brother, okay, and someone comes in, and you just know you've got to take care of this guy, you've got to befriend him. I'm not saying do therapy or anything like that. I'm saying just be a friend to him, be a man, stand beside him when he needs somebody to stand beside him. That's the next step. And out of that, it's going to become mentoring. And, you know, some guys are going to be able to, to okay, lead a guy into a career or a trade or teach him things. See, they've never had anybody do that for him, for them. They have no idea what they should do with their life, right? But here they are with older men. And that these, these men, they, they've got it together. You know, they're, they're good fathers. They've got families, this and that. They've got a career, Right. And the men of Domsey are going to take these young men and they're going to guide them in the same way and bring stability to them. That's the next step. We can call it mentoring, but the mentoring comes out of the brotherhood. They work together. I think, man, I I tell you, I see the potential of this and I see how guys respond. And you know, responsible men, they want to mentor younger men. They want to take them under their wing. They want to be their big brother. They want to be their father. 
right? They want to do that. It's, it's hardwired into us. And guys, if you're listening and you feel this in yourself to want to do something like this, you start looking for opportunities because that desire is, as I said, it's hardwired into us. It means that God put it there, and it's through the church and within the church that it's going to be actualized in its most effective way, and God will be pleased for this reason. You're saving yourself, and you're helping someone else be saved, and blessings will come upon you for that. You will experience a measure of joy and meaning that your soul aches to experience. Wow. Excellent, as always, Father. Thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast episode. We really appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared with us, and we're eternally thankful for what you've done for us in the Antiochian men. Well, I'm very glad to be here. I love the work. I love working with both you guys. You're like the best partners in the world. (laughs) So I tell you, we've got a great future. We do indeed. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Coming Out of Chaos. Please remember to check out our website at antiochianmen.org to learn more about our organization. We also have many videos available that can be found on that website, as well as on our Amen YouTube channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, just to name a few. We'd also appreciate a positive review if the platform allows you to do so. Please share this podcast with your friends and help us to spread the word about it. We also want to thank everyone who has been sending us feedback on our podcast episodes. If anyone would like to send us any feedback at all, just send an email to amendomse at gmail.com. That's A-M-E-N-D-O-M-S-E at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments for us. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.